What's going on, everybody? This is Eric Elliott back with another episode of the Refocus Nutrition Podcast. This week, we have on uh, multiple games athlete, multiple CrossFit games athlete, Jacob Hepner. Uh, Jacob uh, just came off his best finish at the CrossFit Games ever, coming in sixth place in Madison and his first time uh, competing in Madison after having a couple of years off, uh, not qualifying to the Games. We talk a little bit about that and how he struggled to get back to the Games, uh, especially with one year uh, when it comes to the handstand push-up standard. Um, but we also talk a lot about like other things that are going on in his life um, that aren't necessarily CrossFit related, but sometimes are. We talk about how he got into the sport, uh, his his childhood growing up, and how he moved from California to Kansas, which I didn't know initially. I didn't know he was born and uh, a little bit raised in California, um, where he resides now um, in, in Kansas. Uh, we also talk about how he met his wife and how he burst through the friend zone after being uh, friends with her and, as he says, being described as the gay friend uh, to his wife um, or, or his friend at the time. Um, we also talk a little bit about fitness and firearms, uh, why that's important in his life and his views on firearms. Um, even if you don't agree with them, I always think, and as I say in the podcast, that it's important to listen to contrary uh, viewpoints just to know that they exist and also learn where people are coming from. I think it's a big perspective that people aren't getting taken advantage of today um very very dogmatic in terms of their viewpoints and just not listening to what the other side has to say even if they don't agree with it um so i think if you don't agree with guns that's fine um but hear him out listen to him in, in terms of what he has to say uh but before we get to that episode, guys, I want to introduce to you the idea of Patreon. Um, so I did sign up for Patreon just so that like, if you find yourself enjoying these podcasts and enjoying the content that I put out and you want to somehow contribute back to the podcast um, in a monthly subscription kind of way, I would greatly appreciate it. It just allows me a lot more time and flexibility to make sure these podcasts get done. Uh, they do take a significant amount of time to get done just because... You know, each interview is, you know, at least 45 minutes to an hour, potentially. Um, but also lining them up on the schedule um, and and whatnot is, is super time-consuming and hard. I definitely don't do it for the money. Um, I do it for the learning that I can get from each person and what I can share their message with you guys. So regardless of whether I get a dollar, a dime, or anything, I'm still going to do them. Um, but it does give me a lot more time and resources to get more guests on, more time on, and make it a better listening platform for you guys for sure. So if you can contribute at all, that would be 100% appreciated. But if not, um, enjoy the show and enjoy listening anyways. But the link is in the bio. So without further ado, guys, here is Jacob Hefner. Awesome, guys. And we are back with another episode. Uh, this time we have on four-time games athlete, uh, Jacob Hepner. Uh, Jacob just came off his biggest or his best finish ever this year, uh, finishing sixth in the CrossFit Games. Um, it was a, awesome to watch him see come back after a couple years of not being at the Games in general. Um, and there's a lot of, I don't want to say controversy, but things that uh, were lost in the last three years or just looks at like it hard it was a hard road to come back for for sure so thanks so much for coming on jake uh jake or jacob do you really care have you been called worse? nope don't no it doesn't matter to me <laughs> okay um so to start off with uh i wanted to kind of just ask about your background because i know you um 
you have a history or you, you grew up playing football. So is that kind of uh, where you started your life off in fitness, if you will, or how did you, how did you get into that? Yeah. So uh, I played football, you know, as I was young, all the way up to college, I played through college. Um, I was an outside linebacker, strong safety. Um, I was completely terrible at, at the sport. I mean, like good enough, obviously get a scholarship to go play football, but I mean, like never started. I just wasn't great. I was really, really fit and always was in really good shape. I just wasn't always, and always the smartest guy in the field usually, but I could not turn that over and uh, become a starting player. So pretty terrible football. <laughs> was it, was it just the, like the, the fact that you're five, eight, like your long forearms didn't help you in, in this aspect of uh, athletics? <laughs> yeah, I was, I'm five, I'm like five, seven. So yeah, it was just, yeah, couldn't jump. It wasn't the greatest, like highest jumper. I'm five, seven. So playing safety is somewhat a little bit difficult and it was never the biggest guy in the field. Right. So I wasn't, you know, it was always around a hundred. I think when I played in college, I think it was like 175, 180 pounds, which is, is pretty small considering now my walk around weight is about 195. So, I mean, like if I could go back now, I'd be quite a bit bigger, probably quite a bit faster. Yeah. That's impressive too. That's like, that's impressive that you were hanging with some like, like college football is no joke in terms of like football is no joke in terms of the size of some of these athletes. So uh, being able to tackle someone at that, that height and that weight is, uh, it's pretty impressive. It makes, makes it like jet definitely appreciate how fast you were probably traveling to run into somebody at that speed. But one of the things that I found was interesting about you is that you mentioned that you have, you always kind of had that uh, you were always in shape um, and people have referred to it when they're talking about you as you've always had that, high capacity for performance in terms of like you might not necessarily be the strongest guy across the field but you definitely have a, a work capacity that's really really high how did you get that were you just born with that or like what, what were some of the things as a kid or something like that that provided that uh that as a tool for you yeah so i've always been a self-motivator um never really needed anyone to motivate me uh as an early as and as a child i mean i think i <clears throat> found weightlifting um, or found working out in general when I was probably young, mm-hmm. probably around like sixth or seventh grade. Um, my dad had like a weight set in the garage. And I remember going in there and working out all the time or running. So as a child, um, up until eighth grade, I was actually homeschooled. So I, I did all, you know, I never went to school. I mean, I went to school, was at home with my, my, with my mom and my sister. And so it was very easy for me to just be like, get up in the morning, go run or, you know, uh, lift every now and again during the day because I had nothing going on, you know. Um, <clears throat> we lived on some land in California, and, you know, other than just, like, taking my BB gun and going off and shooting everything in, in sight, I was probably working out and running. Um, and so it's probably as an, er- as an early child how it kind of started with the, being a self-motivator and wanting to stay in shape. I always kind of wanted to stay in shape, um, and sports are obviously a great way of, of showcasing your fitness. Um, but I was really never involved in a sport that really only cared about if you're in shape until I got to CrossFit. I mean, honestly, this is the only sport that really, really only cares about that. I mean, like, no one cares if you got a six-pack when you bowl. Like, no one even cares if you have a six-pack when you play football. It doesn't really do anything for you. I mean, you look great, but, I mean, it doesn't really increase your 40 speed or make you a better football or a better athlete in general. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's no other bigger point of – of confirmation of that than watching like the combine every year and some watching some of these like people that are like six five, two hundred and fifty pounds just running this crazy forty time. 
um, and not have it like not having to have that six pack that you kind of mentioned. You mentioned that it was like self motivated. How do you how do you get that at like sixth and seventh grade to the point where you're like it doesn't sound like anyways that your dad was the one that was like pushing you out in the garage and like go work out, son. You have to come back in an hour after you've done a hundred bench press for time. Yeah, but so how my, do you get that? My parents would never have never forced me to do anything. Right? It's not like I don't have helicopter parents that have always you know like some people have parents where they're like you're going to play football or you're going to do gymnastics, you're going to do this and you're going to do that and you're going to like it. Like my parents have always been um, to the degree of, look, you make your own choices. Like if you want to, you know, I was part of FFA and 4-H for many years. If you want to show pigs and make some money, do it. And I did it and I loved it. If you want to do this, if you want to do that, let's do it. Um, my dad never forced me or my parents never forced me down the athletic route. But I think my father, knowing who he was and seeing me grow up, figured, okay, he's just like me. He's probably going to find some way in, into it. I'll just let him make his own discoveries in life. And so, you know, when I, when I you know, my dad worked out in the morning. He was always a good guy who wakes up really early and was out there in the, in the barn, barn, in the garage working out. And so, you know, as a child, you look up to that and you think, oh, I want to be just like dad. You know, I want to work out and be strong and, and be able to pick things up. And so this kind of just follows suit, essentially. Yeah, no, I yeah, no, and that makes a lot of sense for definitely a lot of people with, with regards to that. And you mentioned, I think you said that you, you kind of grew up in, uh, in California, but now you're obviously in, in rural Kansas. How did that, uh, how did that trans transformation make? I don't imagine that's a traditional move from California to Kansas, but I could be totally wrong being up in uh, north of the border. Yeah. Oh, where are you at right now? You're in Canada, right? Yeah. Calgary, Canada. Yeah. Um, so um, yeah, to be honest, like if I have to rank the worst state in the union, it's California. It's just expensive. <laughs> right? Like everyone in Nevada and the surrounding states needs to take like a jackhammer, put it on the border and jackhammer that, that state off in the ocean. Like it's just a terrible, like it, growing up, it was a great, all my family's there, but in terms of like states, it's, it's super expensive. Yeah. Um, everything's expensive. You got to get a permit to do anything. You want to scratch your back. You got to get a permit. And it's just, it's just painful. And it's just like, we moved out of there um, during my second year of high school, so uh, halfway through high school. So I spent my freshman, sophomore year in a public school in California, um, which, again, their public education in California is, is dog trash. And uh, all my, my dad was like, got sick of the state, was like, you know, what? I think we should move. And you'd be surprised how many people have left states like that that are just, the, the cost of living is so high. It's like, oh, you want to own a house? Well, you got to have hundreds of thousands of dollars. Like, it's just ridiculous, right? And so moving out to, uh, we moved out to Southern Missouri um, for my uh, halfway through high school, probably the best decision my parents ever made um, for the whole family. Um, so we moved out to Southern Missouri. I finished up high school there, went to college around here, found my wife out here. I mean, it's just, it's just a lot better. Life is slower. The people are better. Life is cheaper. I mean, I'm just, I'm never leaving the Midwest <laughs> ever. So, yeah, no. And that's, uh, that's obviously what, like you founded your company on the fact that you're Midwest made, but like, I thought that was interesting given that uh, I was watching uh, Craig Ritchie's video with you. I think he was a day in the life uh, yeah. with, with you last year around this time and, or a little bit earlier. And uh, he was talking about the fact that you have uh, 10 acres of land with, with his house as big as your, as your house, garage, all that kind of stuff. When it was two hundred and fifty or two hundred and forty thousand yeah, dollars, dirt cheap, right? Yeah, it's crazy for the for the for the things like for people that have probably never watched that or never knew that about you. If they just saw your Instagram videos, you're like two hundred and forty thousand can get me that. 
um, yeah. it's, it's pretty crazy. Even in Canadian dollars, it's, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, we, every time I have folks come out here, like uh, I think the last person who came out here that we specifically talked about was Justin LaFranco, who owns and operates Morning Chalk Up, right? Good yep. friend of mine. He came out here and we always make fun of him because he always talks about like his new house he wants to buy. And I mean, like he's like, so I was like, okay, well, Justin, what are you looking at buying? And he's like, ah, I'm looking at a condo and it's like $400,000, right? And I'm like, even a condo, like, I don't know the specific legalities behind it, but usually when you own like an apartment inside of a building, you don't, you own, you don't own the building, you just own your like little room, right? Mm -hmm. And it's like, no, I own everything I see, you know, like Simba, like I own his phone, what the light touch, <laughs> I, you know, I own the land I'm on, and, and it's not even close to that. You know, obviously there's the, the side, the retrospect is like, obviously it's cheap out here because there's a lot of it right so mm -hmm. and and no one really wants to come out here because you know some people think you know kansas or or oklahoma or all these places are flyover states quote unquote you know like i'm gonna fly over them but i'm never gonna not gonna go to them and to me to be honest like that's fine like the less people i have living in this state you know obviously the cheaper it's gonna be for me if everyone from california moved out here like it would just become that so it's kind of like it's nice having just a slow atmosphere and a slow life out here yeah, and that was one of the kind of the questions that I had for you was that like I don't want to say you live a simple life because that's probably not the case with the amount of things you have going on, definitely as a professional athlete, running a business, all those kinds of things. But it seems like a few things make you relatively happy that you don't need all of these different things going on, if you will. Like, you know, shooting and fitness more or less encapsulates what makes you happy yeah. along with being with your with Winston and your wife, right? So how do you how, were you always that quote unquote simple or did you, did you find that kind of along the way? Sure. Um, yeah. So most people when they hang out with me tend to, tend to think I'm an extrovert, but I mean, most, sometimes most extroverts um, are usually introverts behind closed doors, right? Mm -hmm. Like I'm okay. I feel very, very comfortable being an extrovert um, in a group of people that I feel comfortable with. So if you get me in a group of CrossFitters, you take me to a gym or you take me to a place where I know people, I feel so comfortable. I can sit here, I can talk to people, I can, I can public speak. Like I have no problem absolutely doing it. But there's sometimes like, I think most people just need to recharge. Like they like their, I like to come back to my house where, you know, like for lack of better terms, if I want to stand out naked in my backyard, I can. And I don't want, I don't need to, but I mean like no one's going to see me. I can do what I want. Like I just have the freedom to recharge and do what I want. So yeah, I think I've always been, Ever since I was young, I always wanted just to own land and be able to do what I want. And, you know, that's the beauty of, of the country I live in is the freedom that's been given to me. And mm -hmm. so I wanted to live that out as much as I can, have that American dream. Um, and, you know, if I, want to be, if I want to be extroverted and talk to you on a podcast, I can. If I wanted to be like, you know what, Eric, you know, I just want to, you know, sit on my back porch and drink a coffee with my dog and stare at the sunset, I can do that too. And that's just, you know, I think most people seem to think, oh, Hetner's an extrovert. Ah, to a degree, but I think all of us want to sometimes recharge and hide from the world. No, I think that's actually a really good, a really good analysis of yourself. Cause I, I, you know, just watching your videos and stuff like that, it obviously, you know, it takes a lot out of yourself to put your, to portray yourself a certain way to the public, to get people um, interested in yourself, interested in your business and stuff like that. Um, sure. So I would have thought that you were an extrovert, to be honest, like you, you strike me um, just watching, watching at the games this year, you actually, strike me a lot very similar to to a guy like Noah Olson who was just just has a ton of fun at at fitness um and wasn't necessarily so serious whereas you you kind of see Matt Fraser for example and you might think he's more of an introvert um because he's 
like he he's very stoic and quiet to himself it looks like in competition but again that's just the outside of analysis of things sure so when it comes to you know going to going to university or going to college and um and getting into football and whatnot you obviously pursued a degree in mathematics so uh that was one of the things that i found that was interesting about you is you're not just you didn't go you didn't go to university and just get a comms degree or um some <laughs> general, general studies degree you're actually a smart guy um did you think that athletics were for you or were you full-on trying to pursue a, a, a full-time career in mathematics at some point yeah so um the way I usually do life and if I do things in my life is I try to do the best of my ability so when I went to college um I came in undecided and I honestly I met with my uh advisor and just straight up asked her, I remember vividly asking her, what's the hardest major you got in this college? And she said, probably math. I said, okay, sign me up for some math classes. I'm going to take it. Um, and Did I had already, like yeah, I had already kind of liked math a little bit. I uh, had been decent at it. But then that was kind of the kind of the kicker. Like, okay, well, if it's considered hard and it's respectable to people, then I'm going to freaking crash it. And, like, I kind of already knew that um, the things you learn in college – are amazing don't get me wrong college education is important but for me mostly unless you're learning specific skills like unless you're learning like you know if you're a nurse and you're learning how to take care of the human body that's really mm -hmm. important but a lot of things you learn in college is just really changes your outlook and your perspective of life and how you think and that's what I think really that math did for me right like it wasn't like you know right now if you were like i'm gonna put a math problem in front of you i probably wouldn't be great at it right because i haven't done it for many many years and right now i only pretty much count by 45s or multiply and divide by 2.2 right like i don't really use a whole lot of math on a day in and day out basis unless i have to convert to kilos um but i think the important thing about college is it changes your it, it allows you to think for yourself and i think taking a math degree or getting a degree in mathematics allowed me to do that and allowed me to think outside the box and think in, in terms of other ways. And that's what I use on a day in and day out basis for the, the way I do things. Um, whether it's CrossFit or my company or my YouTube channel, whatever the case it may be. Um, so that's honestly the kind of the Genesis story for my college. I just literally showed up and I was like, what's the hardest thing you got? I'm freaking taking it. And that's pretty much what I've always pretty much done in life. If I, if I'm going to, I'm going to set aside time to do something, whether it's, you know, CrossFit or fitness or whatever the case may be, I'm going to make sure I do the best of my ability because I'm not going to waste my time doing something, you know, halfway. No, I think that's a super interesting perspective because I think that I just read an article actually on Forbes not too long ago talking about the importance of a liberal arts degree, even for those people that don't think liberal arts degrees have any value. And it's not for the value of what they taught you necessarily in those courses, but the time you spent that critical thinking that you talked about that's actually valuable to employers no matter what sector you may, may be working in. So I thought that, you, you know, the way that you thought about it is actually really apt, yeah. if you will. Um, what were some of the big things that, you know, you thought or changed your perspective on life or where you wanted to go post-college that you didn't think you'd have going into, if that makes sense? Yeah, no, that's a good question. Um, I think in general, it just gave me a sense of a sense of logic to think, think things through. You know, when you're young, you tend to be like flighty. You know, you just make decisions without mm -hmm. thinking. And I think what I got from college, you know, and I could probably could have got it in probably in any degree, to be honest. Like, it doesn't have to just be math. But for me, that's what I did, is it gave me an idea of thinking things through in a logical manner. 
Like right now, to be honest, like if I got went out and applied for a marketing job, they, they'd probably be like, well, what the crud, you don't have any marketing to do. But I mean, it can't be that hard, right? You know, like, you know, like it's just talking with people and that's just communication. Um, but uh, yeah, I would say probably one thing I probably learned that changed my outlook on college uh, was probably just the logic I received from it. I mean, you learn under the tutelage of a lot of people that are really, really smart that are mentors to me and being able to work with them and learn from them was really important uh, at the time and then going further on in life. Yeah, no, that's, it's, it's interesting. But one of the things I thought that was that's interesting about math and the reason you kind of chose it is because it's, it's exceptional in a way. It's a way that, you know, you kind of stand out where you, sure. you're the will hunting, if you will, of, of yeah. Where, yeah, yeah. where, you know, you have a question and 98% of the people can't solve it. Um, and, and it speaks to what you do as a living right now. You know, we give you a workout, 98% of the population or 99 or higher percent can't do what you do, but you do it. Was there a certain part of both CrossFit and mathematics that, I don't want to say made you feel important for what your career or your uh, devotion. Yeah, sure. That's that a good question. Bad? Yeah. I mean, there's always a sense of pride in what you do, right? Like, so, yep. um, I've spoken on pride before and pride can be a bad thing in your life, right? Like if I'm prideful, like, Oh, you know, Eric Elliott's giving me a call. Like I'm so much better than this guy. Like, I don't care what he thinks. Like that's, that's the bad part of pride. Like yeah. I'm setting myself on a pedestal above someone else. When in actuality, we're all the same stinking, same stinking, we're in the same place. But there is obviously a good sense of pride and pride in what you do. Um, and I think I thought to myself early on, like, I want to pick something that when I say it to somebody, like, well, what did you study in college? Or what do you do? When I tell them that, they're going to be like, oh, like, that's not what I expected. Or, oh, man, that's pretty impressive. And I mean, like, obviously, the, the joke in my house is actually this, which is actually pretty funny. So this is, this is where the pride comes for a downfall. Is my wife, I met my wife in college. Um, and she majored in business and, um, I don't know what your degree is in and I'm going to apologize early on, but I always make fun of people who get a business degree. Cause it's like, Oh, I went to college and I got a degree in business. It's like, I, from my perspective, like you can learn business. I can learn business. I run a business now. You, I don't think you really need to like major in business. Like, why don't you pick something else like socio, you know, psychology or sociology or, or something like that. And then learn business later. Well, the, the best part of that is I always make fun of my wife. Like, well, I have a degree in math and you have a degree in business. Like who cares? <laughs> but the best part is like, she makes like 10 times as much as me. So she always gives me a hard time. Like, well, yeah, but I make more money than you. And I'm like, okay, well, you know what? You win. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I mean, I honestly kind of forgot what your question was. Uh, but that to me, it was kind of, I kind of had a little bit of pride in that aspect of I wanted to pick something or do something in my life where people ask me, what do you do? You know, I'm a professional CrossFitter or, you know, at the time it was, I have a degree, I'm, I'm majoring in mathematics right now. And, and so, um, so it's kind of what I wanted to do is you know, maybe impressing people isn't the, the greatest thing to do, but sometimes picking hard majors does impress people. Yeah, no. And, I, and it's, it might not be impressing people for the sake of, trying to be trying to be important to other people but you showing the value of where you stand in the world too is kind of an important uh thing for every single person that goes about whatever they're doing right sure. um you kind of introduced your wife a little bit so i want you to kind of tell that story too because i know that uh, just from just from like researching you and watching uh watching videos and you and then listening to other podcasts um you met your wife in college but it doesn't sound like you dated uh, her right away no uh, no <laughs> I should probably actually, to be honest, I should probably put this thing to rest and like 
sit down with a really nice camera and have her and I talk about <laughs> it. It's, it's a great story. Like, uh, it would actually be so good, yeah. It probably would. It'd probably be how I met my wife, the full story. The, uh, <laughs> the unabridged, unabridged, unedited story. Um, so, uh, yeah, I met my wife in college. Uh, I was a junior in college and she was a freshman. Um, she actually came to college and worked um, for uh, worked for the campus chaplain. Um, it's kind of like help, like a secretary, like helping him out. That was like her first job on campus. And so I was really good friends with the, with a campus chaplain since I helped him out on campus quite a bit with some stuff. And so he actually introduced us together, introduced my wife, uh, or at that time, just Kelly to me. Um, he's actually the gentleman that married us many, many years later. So that was kind of cool. Crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I met her in college. Um, probably easy. One of the prettiest girls on campus. I went to a pretty small school. So it was kind of a small group of people, um, but uh, uh, met her in college, um, but she refused to date me. I was quote unquote considered one of her gay friends. Um, and so, and that, you know, like, I just kind of was like, you know what, if that's what I get right now, that's what I get. I mean, I've, I can go on for days about stories like where it's like, you know, like I took her, I took her and her friends in the movies and they just kind of cried and watched a movie. And I just kind of sat there, you know, I'm just, you know, I'm like, I'm the guy friend essentially. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, she, she um, dated a couple different guys in college that were obviously like way more athletic than me. They were like the captain of the basketball team and the captain of the soccer team. Meanwhile, I'm the freaking scrub sitting on the bench for the football team. You know, I'm the lowest of the lows, you know? <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we, uh, we were friends throughout college. Um, and then uh, I graduated first. Um, she actually graduated in three years, business degree. But she graduated in three years. Um, and she actually kind of lived about 30 minutes, 40 minutes away from me. We, we continue to be fast friends. We're always best friends. Um, for many years, we wrote each other letters back and forth. Um, she studied abroad over in London for a fashion degree. Um, and uh, we wrote each other handwritten letters for like a year. We have those, actually for many years, we have those all in kind of like a chronological order in a scrapbook in our house. Oh, that's cool. And uh, yeah, and during the time, she's actually dating other guys. So let me ask you this, Eric. <laughs> Would you be mad if your girlfriend or wife was writing another dude handwritten letters? It would be weird. Yes, it would. Absolutely. Be weird. You yeah. should say yes. So anyways, she's writing this random dude, me, handwritten letters, you know, <laughs> while dating other guys. And uh, I think uh, she was over there for a year and abroad, uh, studying, studying abroad. I went over there the last week before she came back. And we traveled to like Santorini, Greece, Eric. Santorini, Greece is one of the prettiest places on earth. Like it's the... Uh, prototypical postcards uh it's a greek island it's the white buildings in the blue ocean the buildings are always white um and it's just gorgeous so we went to the mm -hmm. most romantic place on earth still didn't even like get to date her you know like whatever and so she graduates college i'm done with college we work like 40 minutes away from each other i finally got sick of it i showed up at her doorstep i said yo here's the deal i said you can either date me you can decide in two weeks, you either date me or not. But if you say no and you don't want to date me, I will be gone. I don't want to be around you the rest of my life. I'm done with you. I said, I can't do this anymore. So my marriage is built on an ultimatum. <laughs> let, me, let me tell you, the strongest marriage is built on an ultimatum. <laughs> but that's kind of how we started dating. Um, uh, and then she, uh, I think the first time, and that was around that time is when I started CrossFit. And I remember saying like, Hey, like I, I'm doing this thing called CrossFit. It's going to be awesome. She thought it was a cult, you know, she didn't understand it, but yeah, it's kind of how we got started pretty much. So there it is folks. You know what? When Jacob Hepner is struggling in the middle of a workout, 
you know that <laughs> he's getting through it by thinking that nothing can possibly be worse than three years of <laughs> three of four li- years of four yeah. years of liking someone and not and not getting to date them it's pretty I've always I've always joked I actually get like probably one one message a week from somebody because I always tell the story on podcasts or whatever um and I always get about one message a week like, well, how did you get out of the friend zone? How did you do that? Yada, yada, yada. You know, from like boy, mostly men or boys that want, you know, obviously in that, in that position. Um, and I've always joked, you know, I'm always joking like, well, one day I'm going to sit down with, with a writer and I'm going to write this book out. And it's going to be called how to beat the shit out of the friend zone. I was like, it's going to be the unabridged version, you know, like how to, how to get through it. a little bit of stalking goes a long way. Like guys, a little bit of stalking, but there you go. Like you have a little, uh, you have a, a career after CrossFit someday uh, as a relationship coach. Yeah, yeah. So Catherine Davis' daughter writes a book. Tia writes a book. Fronny <laughs> writes a book. Jacob writes a book, but it's about the friend zone. It's not even about <laughs> CrossFit. <laughs> that seems to be something I'd probably do. That'd be super funny. Um, but with regards to CrossFit, uh, how did you how did you find out about CrossFit initially? Because it was if it was in. I'm not sure if you mentioned it was after university or after college, sorry, and or during college. And yeah. how did you find out about like doing it? Because I imagine like yeah. when I first heard of CrossFit, I was like, oh, it's just cross training. They just put a different name on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so good question. So um, my uh, the summer going into my senior year of college, um, I had gotten an internship to go out and work uh, for the U.S. Uh, Department of Army. Um, so the U.S. Army uh, Department of uh, Defense. As a civilian, um, as essentially an operations research systems analysis. So it's a, essentially a math guy, like a, a math guy focused on creating uh, efficient uh, solutions to problems, essentially real life problems. And so I go out there and work. It's at Fort Leavenworth, Kansas, um, which is actually up the road from that. I, I literally live like 20 minutes away from that. Never, never moved out of the area, I guess. And uh, <coughs> work there. And uh, at that time, I'm still training for my senior year of football. And so I'm out there, you know, working out quite a bit, you know, doing football workouts. And finally, this guy worked with this green suitor. His name was uh, Major Craig. Uh, he invited me. He goes, hey, I do this. And he goes, I know you love working out a bunch of training for football, and that's great. He goes, I did this workout um, that I think you should show up for. And I was like, oh, yeah. He goes, yeah, it's called CrossFit. I said, oh, that sounds kind of cool. He kind of, he kind of gave me the brief explanation. He kind of pretty much said, like, it's gymnastics and weightlifting and cardio. <clears throat> and, of course, I'm thinking to myself, I'm going to crush you guys. And he, I go, okay, well, I'll show up. I said, what time's class at? He goes, class is tomorrow morning at five in the morning. And I had already agreed to it. And I'm like, what the crud? Like, who works out at five in the freaking morning? Like, that's ridiculous. So I showed up five in the morning. And, uh, I, you know, the funny story is like, it seems to me that everyone's first Genesis story for CrossFit always involves Fran, which is <laughs> funny to me. Like, it seems like everyone's always like, yeah, the first class I went to, I did Fran. And like, I'm sitting here thinking like, like, does every gym have like a, oh, you're new, Eric? Sweet. We're doing Fran today, ladies and gentlemen. Eric's new, you know? Like, is it like an unspoken rule? Like, oh, your name's Rich Froning? Sweet. We're doing Fran today. So we're going we're gonna to screw you over. <laughs> so I showed up. We did not do Fran. We did, uh, it was a rowing and a toe-to-bar workout. There might have been more to it, but I just remember rowing and toes-to-bar. I didn't understand the concept that it was for time. You know, I, I, you know, in doing football workouts, everything was kind of like quality reps, you know, mm-hmm. I didn't understand the concept of for time. And, um, like, so I remember getting vividly yelled at by these guys rowing, like, Oh, you can row harder. And I'm like, dude, guys, I'm just trying to get this row, this 500 meter row done. And these guys are screaming at me. 
And then I'm doing trying to do toes bar. My toes can't even touch the bar. I'm not even close to the bar, right? So I'm just getting just spanked left and right. And so <clears throat> I remember getting done. Gentleman walks up to me and goes, hey, Jacob. She goes, I think you'd be pretty decent at this if you really tried it. I was like, I'm thinking to myself, like, decent at what? Rowing and toes the ball? Like, at this point, my concept of CrossFit is very, very narrow. Because yeah. um, no one explained it to me. So the, the gym I had gone to in the beginning of my CrossFit career, uh, any CrossFit gym on a military installation, especially an army installation, um, did not have a typical, like, coach-run class. It was kind of like guys who volunteered. So they weren't great coaches, and they didn't really explain it very well. So they didn't do, like, an on-ramp class like most people gotcha. do these days. Yeah. It was just a... Hey, you're new to CrossFit? Yeah, cool. This is the workout. We're doing it. And I'm like, okay, I don't even know what I'm doing. Um, so I get him in class and the guy's like, you need to look into it. And I'm just like, look into what? And he's like, he goes, do me a solid. He goes, go back to your work today. He's like, pull up Google and Google the CrossFit games. I'm like, okay. So I'm like super dumb, right? Like the CrossFit games. <laughs> and so he's like, Google it and figure it out. I'm like, okay. So I was like, I'll, I'll do you a solid. So I went back. Googled it and spent some time researching and realized that you can compete in this. Like, this is not just like a, you know, a bunch of macho men show up to a tent and start working out and see who has the fastest toe to bar time. Like, this is like a, you can compete and travel the world doing this thing. And at this time, this is 2013 or I'm sorry, 2012. And so, you know, I remember my first workout I watched online, like I just pulled up a YouTube video was the video of Rich Froning doing the uh, rope climb and clean and jerk ladder. Um, it was the year after he had lost because of rope climbs that he, he lost against Graham Holmberg, and then he came back and crushed everybody at rope climbs and won the workout. And uh, I remember watching it being like, there's a crowd watching these people, albeit at the time it was a very small crowd watching these people, but still it was a crowd. And so I decided from there on out, I remember at that time, I was like, I can compete in this. Like, I could be really, really good at this because this involves pretty much no, no coordination, you know, other than throwing a softball. This requires no sport agility application. This is straight fitness. And I'm saying, I'm good at this. I've been doing this for years. I didn't have any application to actually like put it towards. And so that time... Uh, later that day, I remember calling up my best friend at the time being like, yo, I'm going to do this thing called CrossFit. I was like, I know it sounds weird. I don't really understand it, but I'm going to go to the CrossFit games one day. I'm going to be really good at this. And that was my wife at the time. I, at the time, it wasn't my wife, but her name was Kelly. And I remember calling her and telling her that. And she was like, obviously, she's thinking to herself, Jacob sounds like an idiot. You know, like, but, you know, fast forward a couple of years and I was able to accomplish that. But um, yeah, that's pretty much my Genesis story, which I still need to put on my YouTube channel. It's just very hard for me to edit that and make it succinct for people to listen to. <laughs> Maybe I'll just steal it off your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's so, there's so much to it, right? And there's so many different avenues that you can go down with it. Um, one of the questions I kind of had, and it, it's been it's been kind of your criticism, if you will, and I kind of alluded to it earlier, is that you're not necessarily the strongest athlete. And that one, does that get tiring of hearing that? Because I, I always think back to like the the documentary with. Uh, with I think it was two years ago when Matt was when they keep bringing up that Matt's a, a short athlete so this should be a, a good workout for him he just kind of like yeah like find something else to talk about kind of thing um so one does that bother you and two was that was the strength component initially where you had to get better at to get to the regional and game stage because that was uh 
I mean, I imagine you had some weightlifting, uh, some Olympic weightlifting background in terms of cleans and stuff like that within your football training, but I could be totally wrong too. Yeah, I mean, it's something you're going to struggle with the rest of your life. Like, it's not like all of a sudden I woke up and I'm like, no, I'm good at weightlifting. Like, I still <laughs> would prefer to do seven minutes of burpees over seven minutes of snatches. Like, that's just me. Um, but um, it's still something I work on a day-in and day-out basis. We do a lot of lifting and not a whole lot of Metcons in my programming. I mean, we do Metcons, but, I mean, we do a lot of lifting because that's something I am not good at. Um, and, and that's just something I've always struggled with. And, yeah, it's going to be – Till the day I'm done competing in CrossFit, probably not be something I'm known for. And that's fine. Like, I, I'm cool with that. Like, I'm not – in the long run, like, people want to complain, especially about this year of programming. Like, oh, well, you know, I, I didn't get too far on the games or th this and that because I didn't get to do the clean, the heavy clean max. It's like, well, guys, if you look at the CrossFit hierarchy of development of skills, which is the CrossFit pyramid, the base of it is nutrition. Okay, obviously you can't test nutrition in the game. You know, like what did you eat today? But nutrition plays into everything else. The next step up is metabolic conditioning. Like, so if you look at the pyramid and say, what's more important? It's metabolic conditioning. And then it goes gymnastics and then it goes weightlifting and then it goes sport. So if you really think about it, like, yes, Jacob Pepner is not great at weightlifting. He's working on it, but he's not great at it. But to be honest, like it isn't the number one priority in terms of testing and CrossFit. Now, does that mean you should just be like slough it off and be like, well, it's stupid. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> Absolutely not because it'll still play into, point, into the point schedule. And yes, maybe Jacob isn't good at one rep max lifting. But I mean, weightlifting can be also used in a metabolic conditioning piece of it, right? Like you shouldn't just be like, oh, I'm not going to touch a barbell. Like because you can have a barbell in a metabolic piece. Um, but this is kind of my thought is like, it doesn't need to be your number one priority because it's not the number one priority when in terms of, if you have to define CrossFit. Yeah, no. And I think that kind of shows this year, if you look at your open standings, um, like your, the second worst workout you did, I mean, the first, the 19 one was your worst scored, um, just more or less because it's not a, a tall person's workout for sure. Um, and then relating again, I think like you and Noah both struggle with that one, but your second 19.2 was, was where you finished 20th and everything else. I mean, 20th is still really good. That's going to get you sure. where you need to go to get to the games anyways. But, um, tw I would say that was, you know, not your wheelhouse workout. Whereas the, you know, 19.3 is a really good workout for you with, with strict handstand pushups. When it comes to, when it comes to something like that, how do you, how, like do you do you completely favorite your training towards olympic lifting at certain times of the year do you care about more about that because like right now um like you've traditionally done really well in the open because the open is a little bit different test than the games per se which is a little bit more um well-rounded and not necessarily gymnastics focused or conditioning focused whereas it's the open if you have a really good engine and are generally really good at most things you can, you can kind of get through it or you used to be able to um, with the exception of say 2018, where a, a, an anomaly workout kind of came up and, and pushed you to your worst finish overall worldwide. But yeah, do you, do you focus on, you know, weightlifting at certain times of the year and just let conditioning, let your normal instincts of conditioning, if you will, take over? Yeah, uh, we don't really focus on a whole lot of conditioning. Um, I'm already fairly decent at it. And to be honest, mm -hmm. like, the Open this year, I would love to qualify for the Open. But, I mean, like, 
the stupid part is like we literally just got done with the games, ladies and gentlemen. Like, I mean, it makes me sort of somewhat jealous of the guys who got an off season. You know, like they were done in sanctional season and didn't get to go to the games. Now, of course, that sucks that they didn't get to go to the games. Like that that blows. But the nice part is they had a, they had an off season. You know, they, they took time off. They let their body heal. They then got to get back into it to make sure they're lifting fine and then and then slowly pour in metabolic conditioning. Whereas I got done the games, I'm in the best shape of my life. I want to take a few weeks off. I just want to collapse and eat a donut or three or nine. And so, um, you know, that's just the part that kind of stinks this year. I'd love to qualify for the open. We're going to see what kind of comes out. Because um, honestly, like, I have a couple nagging, just nagging things I'm dealing with from the games. Like, I mean, you compete the games and – uh, you're going to have probably a couple of nagging things you're dealing with here and there. And now there's no off season. So there's really no time to really heal it. So we kind of just kind of rolled into this season. And then as soon as he opens, then we'll take an off season. Now, granted, I'd love to qualify for the open, but if we don't, then we're going to have to go to a couple of sanctionals and kind of just kind of go win a sanctional here and there, um, in order to qualify. Do you think like was when that, when those announcements came out, obviously it was uh, like it had been two years since you'd been to the games in general anyways, but was it uh, was it something that you were concerned about that would make life a lot harder in terms of the professional athletes? Just because, like you said, like the you know the season used to go from February to February to July or to August if you depending on if you wanted to do outside competitions. But now it's it's essentially eleven months of the year. Yeah. So I'm sorry. What's your question? So when it comes to that, like, were, was the changes disappointing in terms of like? the health of or the health or longevity of an athlete perspective that way yeah that's a little difficult like um my body's not meant to stay at peak performance year round mm-hmm. so now you kind of got to pick and choose like uh when you have to peak and that's kind of rough doing that for the open because you'd like to finish the open really well and then kind of go on and focus on other things um so it's just a little bit rough for the for the an athlete's body um, to have to peak a few times a year or keep at somewhat of a peak state ready, you know, a, a kind of essentially a, a peak of readiness um, throughout the whole year. That's a little bit difficult for sure. What's your, let me phrase it a little differently. What's your, um, if you could, you know, give me a perfect formula for getting to the games, what would that look like for your season? Would it be, you know, open then a qualifier here and there? Or what's that look like? Oh, I liked regionals. I miss regionals. Um, that was always somewhat fun, you know. Um, I don't really care. Like, if there's one thing I've learned from playing CrossFit, playing CrossFit, from doing CrossFit, it's that um, you pay to play their game. Mm-hmm. Like, you pay your 20 bucks, and you're playing their game. They don't care about what you think. They don't care about the rules they make. They don't care how it affects athletes because there's no athlete union of any kind. They're just doing their thing and you're along for the ride. And if some, if they make up a rule that you don't agree with too bad, like you're, you're, you're put up with it. And sometimes the ideas are good and sometimes the ideas are bad. And sometimes, you know, we don't realize the ideas will be good maybe in the future. Um, but you know, it takes a little bit longer to realize that. Um, that's just kind of what I realized. So it's kind of like, uh, you know, they can keep making up rules, but what, what's going to, what's the point of me complaining and say, well, I don't like this rule cause it doesn't get me anywhere. No, I, I love that perspective. How did how did you come to that? And did it come did it come around that time when they introduced that different one off standard with the handstand push ups where, you know, it was one of those things that was out of your control and it 
it obviously cost you. You didn't get to go to the games despite having a, a, a good season overall in terms of like what you could have done the other workouts. Um, but that workout just, you know, you physically couldn't meet the standard um, as fast as required to get you to the game. So when it comes to something like that, how did you come to that realization that, you know, whatever's out of my control, I just have to let go. Cause I think that's such, like a, a really mature thing for you to, to understand and get as an athlete that like, while you may seem to think that that's like something that you should just automatically do, you can see it visibly on the competition floor, whether that's at the game level or at the sanctional level that some athletes don't have. They see a call from a judge and they lose their minds or they get distracted by something that they, they don't, they literally don't have control over and it, and it sidetracks their entire performance. So how do you, how did you find that realization? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, it had, it came from the idea of let's create a standard that probably wasn't very well thought out and then let's throw it out there. Let's test it on a very small subset instead of a large subset. Let's throw it out there and just make it a new standard. Like just pick a standard and stick to it throughout mm-hmm. the years. Like you don't think you, you reinvent the wheel every two years. It changes like, come on now. Yeah. Um, and so they created something new that um, I didn't necessarily agree with, but what are you going to do? I can cheat it, but it's going to come out and people are going to see the fact that I cheated it probably. And would I rather be known as a cheater or a good person? Well, I can tell you it's going to be the latter. So I'm not going to choose to be known as a cheater because that sticks to you for the rest of your life. It's always like, well, yeah, Jacob's decent, but that one year he cheated. Like, mm-hmm. even if I deserve to be there, I don't want to be called a cheater to get there. Even if I knew I could still get there, I don't want to be called a cheater even when I am there. So. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, that speaks a lot to your character, but I, I, I definitely agree because like it speaks to, <clears throat> to go into last year's and not to, not to pick on him because he made the ultimately right choice to not go. But like a guy like Devin Ford, who, um, who had that really controversial video last year with uh, his open performance and, and rightly or wrongly, even no matter what he does from this stage forward, people are going to remember that, right? People are going to remember the, the fact that that one video um, could be, a lot of different videos that he's doing in workouts too. Right. So um, I think it's important that you, you make those decisions at the right time and, and go forward with them. One of the things I, I found was interesting about you while watching Craig's video is the obscene amount of eggs you eat after a workout. Is that something that you like found over time? Do you just love eggs? Is like, is there, and, and kind of how does that speak to your general nutritional principles? If there is any day to day. Uh, yeah, I don't count anything. I just try to eat a lot of food. <laughs> I kind of cert- decided that like, you sit here and count stuff, but how, how much time is it really worth it? Like my wife's a great cook. Um, and so she cooks it. I'm going to eat it. I'm not going to complain. Um, I probably, yeah, I probably do eat like five to six eggs every morning. Um, full eggs. Um, and so that's just meat. Like I have to eat a lot. My body does not want to be, my body naturally does not want to be 195 pounds. It would like to be lighter. So in order to keep that weight on, I had to keep eating food. Um, and that's just, that's just my little battle life deal. Some guys have to do the opposite. Some guys have to eat less. And Cole Sager has to watch what he eats because his body typically wants to be 210 pounds. And that's just, that's just Cole. Mm-hmm. No, that makes total sense. When it, comes to, when it comes to yourself, how did you find 195 pounds is the, is the, right, the right level of you know, enough muscle to, to be competitive in the sport, but not so heavy that you're, um, that you're too heavy for gymnastics movements and cardio as well. Sure. I know there's a lot of people that, 
a lot of competitive athletes that try out certain weights. Like I know Noah went heavier, closer to 200 pounds and then noticed that was a little bit too heavy for himself. How did you juggle that? Was it trial and error like that or no? Yeah. I mean like, okay, I weigh a hundred and, you know, like I weigh 180. Okay. Lifting's heavy. I weigh 205. Okay. Muscle ups are hard. Like what's the happy medium? Like it's got to be in between, right? I need to be able to move a barbell be able to run, swim, and do muscle-ups. Like, if I want to be able to do all these things, then I probably need to be you know, 190, 195 pounds is usually what I stay at. Okay. Yeah, and that's, and that's interesting. because I, I just find that's an, an interesting perspective for a lot of people that are – whether they're competitive in CrossFit or not, they just find that. Because CrossFit's not necessarily a weight class sport, but it is. Because if you're, if you're above a certain weight, I mean, no matter how strong you are, you just you can't function inside of gymnastics, right? So it makes a – makes a considerable difference for sure. Um, when it comes to one of the bigger things that changes for you kind of wrapping up a little bit was the fact that this year you, um, you quit your job and you quit your job relatively recently. What's been the biggest difference in your life, whether that's in business or in training, um, since quitting your job and how have you, uh, yeah, how have you liked it since making that kind of change? Yeah, so uh, I quit the job with the main goal of focusing on three separate things, one being CrossFit, but the idea behind that was that wasn't going to be my full so full focus because I see a lot of athletes do that where they have a job or they don't have a job. They solely focus on CrossFit. And that's fine if you're, if you're Matt Frazier or Rich Froning because you're making enough money to overcome it. Mm -hmm. Like you have to think about the longevity of the sport. Like I could be one broken leg away from never competing again. So like I need to set myself up for success in other directions. Like you have to think outside the box and think about your future. And so my f future for me was two other things I decided to focus on. Number one was my company, Midwest Made, which um, is my specific programming I'm doing on a day-in and day-out basis. Um, and then the other thing was uh, a YouTube channel, which I started like, I don't know, like a year ago, year and a half ago, which I thoroughly enjoy. Um, and allows me to, I mean, make sponsors happy because they're getting involved. Um, so it gets sponsors involved. It allows you to uh, outreach on social media, allows you to do different things, be creative. And also make money. And so those are the kind of three things I'm focusing on. Obviously, CrossFit, Midwest Made, and then YouTube. Yeah, I think that's really, really cool. Especially, like, I think that you're, some of the content you're bringing out is unique, different than just the same uh, workout montages that a lot of a lot of CrossFitters would do for videos just to, yeah. to get it out. Um, and that's okay, too. I mean, just, it's just a different flavor that you're bringing to the table, it looks like. Yeah, no, it gets boring after a while. You can say it gets boring. Like, <laughs> like to be honest, like working out is great. I've actually done less and less workout videos. Working out, but working out is great. But I mean, like, <clears throat> you have to provide value to people viewing. Um, I'm not gonna go watch something if I'm gonna get absolutely nothing out of it. Like, if Eric, you're like, let's go watch a movie, and you told me this movie, and I'm like, I don't want to go see the movie because I'm not gonna get anything out of it. Then you know, not even entertainment. Then why would I go? I'd be getting something out of this viewing session. Mm -hmm. And so you get to provide some kind of value proposition to these people that want to watch. So in my case, I've done a lot of workout videos where I talk about why am I pacing it this way? Why do I approach it this way? How would I approach it differently? Kind of an after action report. And that's beneficial to some people, of course. And then I've also started a series where it's, so you just started CrossFit dot, dot, dot. So essentially like you just started CrossFit. Now I want to talk about a very, very specific topic that, People who just started CrossFit, it might be awkward to ask. They might not have someone to ask that to, or they might be just kind of scared to ask it. Like very simple questions like, so you just started CrossFit, Eric. 
how do you pick the right gym or should you do PT or the open or, you know, I'm sorry, PT or a class. Um, should you do the open? Like you just started a CrossFit Eric and you don't have a gym. What should you get for your bar? You know, what should, what should you buy for your garage gym? It's like very basic questions. You have to provide value to people and that's what they want to watch. And so, yeah, I'm providing value in terms of like learning how to do CrossFit movements or talking about pacing strategy, which is probably a majority of what people want to watch. But at the same time, I want to provide some concept of, look, that's not just my life. Like I'm a regular human being. And honestly, I love to entertain people. I love to have a good time and I love to be creative. Growing up as a child, um, I loved having a little video camera and playing with Legos and making movies with Legos. But now, you know, I didn't make any money off that. But now I get to go off, travel the world, film videos with like guys like Hunter McIntyre or, or like go places and get videographers and then film these cool little segments and then throw it up there, have people watch it and then get paid to do it. And that to me is just awesome. So um, just something I thoroughly enjoy. No, and I, I totally agree with you. Like one of your most um, informative or value-based sub subjects you kind of brought out was the, the idea of how much or just breaking down how how it's possible to be a professional CrossFit athlete, because I think that's sure. one of the questions that a lot of fans have is like, how does that even, how does that work? Or like, what's, can they make money if you're not Matt Fraser kind of thing? Um, which I thought like that your breakdown was really informative. It provided a lot of value in terms of math, watching, math for you, right? <laughs> that's the reason for it. <laughs> Four year degree went simple. into that video. Yeah. Yeah. How'd you make this video? I went to a bachelor. I got a bachelor's in math. Oh, cool. <laughs> Almost paid for my, my degree. <laughs> um, with regards to the games, we didn't even talk about the games really that much, and that's okay. Um, but when it comes to your experience at this games this year, you know, the, the format was different than the last time. Everything was kind of a little bit different. And this was your first time in Madison, if I remember correctly. Um, Correct. What was the biggest difference this time around as it was in, uh, 20, uh, as compared to 2016? Yeah, uh, the difference being the intimacy of the games. Um, that's my, my go-to word. Um, is because in years past, you, had, you were competing with 40 guys and 40 girls. Mm -hmm. um, so you were obviously ostracized from the girls. You never hung out with them because there was 40 of them, and they were always in different areas, which is fine. <laughs> um, and then 40 guys, you can't get to know 40 guys. It's too many guys. But now that you have 10, 10 over the course of a day, and pretty much a full two days, it was very intimate. Like, it was very, like, you sat in the back room with Matt Frazier. You sat in the back room with Haley Adams. You sat in the back room with, you know, Scott Pancheck. And you got to know them because it was just like, it's just them. Like, there's no one else. It's just you guys. And so that was different. <laughs> it was really cool. Um, you got kind of a close-knit group there. And I really enjoyed it, to be honest, the, the idea of I'm just going to hang out with these 10 guys now for the rest of the weekend. Who was the one, uh, who was the one person that you knew the least about? whether it was a guy or a girl uh, prior to that weekend and learn kind of the most about and maybe change your perspective on it. Maybe not to change, but like you just, you were surprised or you learned most about. Honestly, Matt, uh, I have not had the opportunity to really hang out with Matt Frazier that much. Um, and I got to sit down with him pretty much during every uh, workout kind of like um, briefing. Um, mm -hmm. We just kind of sat next to each other. Usually most times sat in a bus together and then we just kind of got to know him. I mean, he's a, I think he puts off a persona, and that's fine. I mean, it's nothing against him. He puts up off a persona of kind of standoffish, mm -hmm. um, and I'm, I'm the champ kind of concept, and that's fine. Like, he is. Um, but I think when you get to sit down with him and pick his brain and just chat with him, it's really 
to me, it was really beneficial just to be able to sit down and be like, these guys just like me. Like we both love guns. We both just want to escape from people and we both want to work out. Like um, we're pretty much the same person. It was fun to be able to get to know the guy and sit there and talk to him. And I seem to be said for Noah Olson. Like I didn't get the opportunity to really spend a whole lot of time with Noah Olson in years past, but this year he was one of the top 10 guys. I got to spend more time with him. And it was just thoroughly enjoyable to get to know these guys more. I mean, did my, pers- did my idea of them change? No, I kind of had a concept of who they were, but it was enjoyable to spend more time with them and get to know them a little bit better. Yeah, no, that, that totally makes sense. And all I can imagine right now is just you and Noah arguing about who was, uh, who's got the, who's the fitter version of uh, dog and, and male companion. Oh, my dog. My dog. <laughs> with, <laughs> with Winston and Max and yourself. Um, but one of the questions I did have, actually have for yourself is around your, uh, your shooting guns and your fitness and firearms. Because uh, I think sure. it's, a, it's a cool post. It's uh, some, of the, some of the workouts you post up there and then just shooting targets. And uh, how, you came to, how you came about that and how you – how do you explain that, if at all, to non-gun enthusiasts, if that makes sense? Like, does that perception matter to you at, to you at all? And, like, I, the reason I bring that up is because, like, you know. Because you're Canadian. <laughs> I'm Canadian, right? Like, I'm, I'm Canadian. So, it's, it's, it, there's a lot of people that are listening to this in Canada and, and like, don't necessarily get it kind of thing. And, and you know, there, there's, there's an opportunity that I think is, is valuable sure. within that experience. Um, and I, I think Craig brought it up in his video, too, that just, like, he's never done anything like that. I've never done anything like that. That's kind of cool that you like, and they brought it in the, in the imitation out rope this year with like, you yeah. know, trying to shoot guns at a really high heart rate. I can imagine is not the easiest thing in the world. So yeah. How did you come about that? And, and how do you explain it? If sure. you do it all? Yeah. So, um, kind of stumbled upon it. Like I've always grew up around, uh, around firearms, even from being from California. We still have firearms in California. <laughs> Dear Lord, you would think no. Um, but, uh, had firearms as a kid, I uh, learned how to shoot in an early, early age. Um, and, uh, came out here, had some land, decided to put in like a shooting range. And then just kind of one day, I don't even remember what I was doing. I think I just decided I'll go back and find like my first post. That I did it. I was like, Oh, I should just do like a workout and shoot in between rounds for fun. And I really, quickly realized it was really, really hard to do. Uh-huh. Um, and I said, oh, I'm going to put on Instagram, put it on Instagram. And, uh, People just like either one, they freaked out about it, or two, they're like, "This is awesome." And I was like, "You know, I'm, I think I'm on to something here." Like, so I decided to come up with the hashtag uh, "Fitness and Firearms," um, which actually has been is now like the main slogan for a huge company that now runs it around actually runs a kind of a CrossFit cross between like a CrossFit. And oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, it's called um, the Tactical Games. Um, and so they actually used my hashtag. So I called them out for it. I was like, Hey, I want, uh, I want to get paid for this, obviously. <laughs> but, um, but anyways, uh, so kind of stumbled upon it. And I'm the kind of guy that like, I've been blessed with a good social media presence, but I'm the kind of guy that really doesn't care what you think. Um, yeah, yeah, like, no, I agree. And that's good. Yeah. I'm going to do me. And if you don't like it, <laughs> But I'm also the guy that I love people that troll me. Like, that's it, the beauty of social media. Like, you have to have the ups and the downs. Like, if you're going to call me out for stuff and you think it's stupid, that's fine. You have your own. We all have the ability to have our, our voice of reason and, and our ability to freedom of speech. Like, if you think it's stupid, call me out for it. I don't care. Like, but I don't care about your opinion either. But I don't, and it's obviously social media is a place to voice that. Um, so kind of stumbled on upon it, decided to keep, kept doing it. I think I did it like every Thursday. Um, 
I have not, I do it every now and again. I have not had time. Um, and to be honest, I've actually stayed away from putting it on YouTube because, uh, honestly, a lot of these social media companies, Instagram and YouTube are very liberal ran. And therefore, um, if you put up a lot of stuff like that, you'll get, um, banned, you'll get strikes against your, against your, um, account. Um, you'll get like, kind of like put in purgatory where no one can find you. And so I say, no, it's not really worth that. Um, considering they run the account and again, like they, I'm playing to play their game. Obviously like they run, they own YouTube. So I need to play by their rules. And if they don't like it, fine. I just won't put it up because I'm trying to make money there or make, make a business there in a brand. Um, but yeah, uh, fell in love with it. Uh, still do it periodically. Um, I have, I work with like Smith and Wesson. So Smith and Wesson will send me out firearms, um, to use, um, some of these videos and keep, um, but, uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. I mean, it comes to, uh, you kind of mentioned the idea of folks that, how do you explain it to folks that don't like firearms? Um, and, and that's a great question. Like a lot of people these days tend to compare, especially uh, Americans considering our bill of rights uh-huh. to ask, okay, well, you know, like, um, the second amendment was created at the time of muskets. Right. And so we're talking single shot takes you know, 30 seconds to low with black powder kind of thing. Like they're like the second amendment was written for black powder. Um, it wasn't written for the idea of having uh, weapons that have a high rate of fire, um, like the AR 15, uh, concept platform. Um, and my response to that usually is like, look like the, our founding fathers wrote the bill of rights at the time when we had to write letters and send it to people. Okay. If you want to compare muskets to uh, f- fast firing rate firearms, whatever, someone across my words, like firearms like that, then, you know, the founding fathers didn't write the bill of rights and thought about Twitter. Like you can say the same yeah. thing. Like, yeah. You know, it wasn't like they pinned it and they're like, well, now we need to include <laughs> the, the idea of Twitter in here and the idea of, you know, no, we, we created the bill of rights and the freedom of speech so that I can say what I want, as long as I'm not saying fire in a burning, th- I mean, fire in a, in a crowded theater, I can say what I want and have an opinion I want in my country. And that's the beauty of the country we live in. So, but you can't just take away my freedom of speech. I need my second amendment to defend that. Um, and so a lot of people don't like firearms and that's completely fine. And, and they want to say, well, you know, fire guns kill people. Well, they're, they're usually pretty dumb, um, obviously. Uh, but you know, I'm hoping I can keep my guns as long as I possibly can. Um, I want the ability to defend my family, defend my, defend my house if I'm called upon, which is actually pretty funny. Um, if you watch the video where I interviewed Hunter, um, Hunter actually talks about the fact that he's from Malibu, California, where he cannot own a firearm in Malibu, California. And, and so he actually talks about that. He's like, look, I can't own a gun in Malibu, California. So he goes like, I have this way of defending my house. I, I sleep next to a bat. And a, um, one of those like air horns you'd use at a sporting game. So if someone breaks into my house, the first thing I do is I disorientate them with an air horn and then I hit them with a bat. And I'm like, it's funny to me. It's like, you know, like that's fine. I mean, if you want to defend yourself, that's fine. That's the own way of doing it. I feel very comfortable defending myself with a firearm. Um, and that's just my own way. But you know, that's just my opinion on the things. Um, obviously people can take it or leave it. Um, and again, I don't care about your opinion most of the time. That's just, that's just the way I was raised. Some of us were raised differently. Um, my other personal opinion is the fact that 
I think, uh, I think they're doing it in Texas actually is they're actually teaching kids the safety of guns. I think to be honest, like <clears throat> if you don't teach people safety in doing certain things, um, then they become scared of it, right? If you don't talk about how planes are safe or if you don't show people how to get out of certain situations, like a back squat, right? We can, we can easily compare it to fitness. Usually the first thing I show people in a back squat or a handstand walk, actually handstand walking is a better example. So if Eric, if you come to me and you're like, I want to learn how to handstand walk. And I'm like, cool. I'm like, cool. I totally can teach you that, right? The first thing I teach people is how to fail, right? The safety of it, like how to protect yourself in a situation where you're falling out of a handstand because most people are scared to get inverted. Like the hand, the human body isn't meant to be upside down. So if I teach you, Eric, how to fail a handstand walk and how to roll out of a handstand walk, right? Or how to fail out of a back squat, how to shove the bar backward behind you, then you feel comfortable doing a back squat and you feel comfortable doing a handstand walk because you now you know, okay, if I fail, I know the safety of it and I can get out of the situation. And the same, I think, needs to be applied to certain things in, in human nature and in life. Like people are scared of firearms because they were never trained on the safety of firearms and how to operate a, a handgun or a weapon um, safely. Um, and I think a lot of kids these days are not taught this. Therefore, they grew up with the idea that, that handguns and these things are very dangerous and shouldn't be owned by the population. And I think a lot of kids these days spend too much time playing Fortnite and not learning how to oper safely operate a handgun. Like that's my personal opinion. Like we're, we're brought up in an age of violence right? We're brought up in an age of playing, playing video games and playing violence. And I have nothing against video games. Believe me, I play them the same as everybody else. But I have the problem when people are like, oh, it's okay playing these violent video games, but I'm not going to teach my kid how to safely operate something that could, could potentially protect them in the future. And that's just, you know, my thought process is a lot of kids are raised in a way of, of fear towards things. And they're given you know, they play too much video games and they fear handguns too much. Like, let's teach people how to be safe. Let's teach them how to fail. But then let's not just assume that everything's bad. Well, yeah. And, and, and like, you know, playing those violent video games and not actually ever being trained on the instruments that are in those video sure. games, right? Like, it's, it's a little bit different in terms of pulling the trigger on a video game as, you know, in person. Yeah. Um, the only other... Yeah, the only other question I had for you, Jacob, was kind of uh, something more along along like a, a legacy lines, if you will. You kind of mentioned that when you you mentioned when you're quitting your job, um, you didn't want to do just fitness and just like let fitness encapsulate every corner and aspect of your life and just work out. So if you're not defined by fitness, and maybe you are, I don't know how you would self-define yourself, but what would you say defines you in terms of how you define yourself as a human being? Yeah. Good question. <clears throat> um, ever since quitting my job and finding myself in kind of the terms of my business and CrossFit and then being able to entertain people on YouTube or, or put up videos, I've really discovered that I think going forward after, because I can't compete in this forever. Mm -hmm. Like I would like to inspire people. Like I'd like to just have fun, entertain and inspire people. Like I, I've always enjoyed that. To be, to be honest, like when I was younger, my main joke with my parents um, when I was in college was I just got to find someone to pay me to do me. And that's like my, my quote since I was a kid, I want to find someone to pay me to do me. And right now I'm literally doing that. Like I have people who watch me that pay me to do me now. Granted, I'm putting out content that's built for people that want to view it and get some value from it. But I think going forward, like 
I'm actually in the process of working with <clears throat> sponsors right now and designing content that people will enjoy watching um, that is sponsored by sponsors. So like, I think gone are the days where sponsors will pull you in and say, yo, Eric, you know, <clears throat> I own a, a hand grip company, Eric, and I want to sponsor you. And Eric's like, oh yeah, that'd be great. Like, uh, what do you want? And they'll be like, I want you to post on Instagram one time. And that's awesome. Like that. And that's how marketing has been for a while. But I think that's slowly changing. I think slowly sponsors are realizing that, yes, there obviously is a time and a place for, oh, look, Eric is sponsored by this hand grip company. I want to be just like Eric. I'm going to go buy the hand grips. Obviously, yes, that still sells and makes sales. But people want, people want to see content that's creative and inspires them and, 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 and ask them what's more, right? And so right now, I'm working with a lot of sponsors and my YouTube channel to create content that will inspire people. Um, I'm not going to name names, but like right now, we're in the process in, in the next month, <clears throat> we're going to come out with a series where um, I will be traveling around um, various people in my community, um, community at large, meaning like Kansas City, huge Kansas City, my community at large and exploring people's passions and sitting down with them and joining them in doing certain things that they're doing. Think like um, Mike Rowe and Dirty Jobs, right? Cool, yeah. You know? Something like that. And I, so I have sponsors that are, that are, that are helping me run this, these content series and these content pieces. And I think as soon as I started that, the more I realized is this is what I would love to do the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. I, I've been given the blessing of a platform. Like, to be honest, like, there are a lot of, perennial CrossFit games athletes that don't have the same social media presence I do. And I've been blessed with the social media presence I do because I think I've just shown my raw real life. Um, and I don't, you know, I don't live for the camera, but I'll turn the camera on myself and talk to it. And I have no problem doing it. And so I think that these, these pieces, I, this is what I would like to do after North CrossFit is be, the ability to have these series, to show people like these passions that people have in life and to help inspire people to, go out and chase their fitness dreams, whether it's, I mean, I don't care if you want to do a CrossFit class or go do a Spartan race. As long as you get off the couch, you get off the couch. So whether that's, I want to go do Fran in a CrossFit gym, or I want to go run 13 miles in the cold, the cold mountains of, you know, uh, Lake Tahoe, whatever it is for you, that's important to be able to get off the couch and lose weight and stay healthy. Yeah, I know that totally makes sense. And I think you're, you're definitely right. You're one of those athletes that actually uses their, the platform as well. Like, and, and you know, it's, it's, it's not your responsibility to you. It's your option to you, you. No one's forcing you to use your, your platform in the sport. If you don't want to, like some people just want to, to compete in the sport and that's totally fine. But um, yeah, you're, you're using your platform in a really informative and value-based way that you kind of mentioned as well. Um, thanks so much for, for spending the hour and, and change chatting with me. I appreciate it. I think there's a lot of, a lot of good conversation that we had out of this and we didn't even talk about some of the, the things that happened over the year, like the Lake Tahoe uh, thing, the, a little bit more, like we barely touched about the game. So no, I think we're just scratching the surface on who you are um, as an athlete that gives a lot of people more thoughts into what they're seeing on TV or what they may be seeing in person when they're watching you do fitness. Um, but where is, uh, where are, where can everybody find you on the socials and uh, yeah, how can we find you your, uh, your Instagram sure. channel? as well yeah well some freaking some freaking dorky kid i hate over in i think asia owns the username at 
Jacob Hepner. So, hey, if you're listening <laughs> to this, I hate you, right? Um, so, uh, so Instagram is at jhepner66. Um, <clears throat> no idea why it's 66. I think it was my football number in high school. So it's kind of pathetic, right? So I <laughs> that. Um, and then obviously YouTube. You can honestly just throw a Google search and just put Jacob Hepner YouTube and I should pop up like instantly. And if not, I should probably work on my SEO. Um, but, um, that should pop up pretty quickly. I don't even know my URL for that. Um, but yeah, so that's pretty much it. YouTube and Instagram. Um, just recently found out how to use Reddit. So I've been on Reddit recently trolling people left and right. Cause that's what I throw really <laughs> you know, trolling the idiots of Reddit. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so that's pretty much where you can find me is pretty much Instagram and YouTube. Awesome. Yeah, no, and I'll definitely link those, uh, your social channels and as well in the show notes, just so some people can can find them. But uh, yeah, thanks so much, uh, Jacob, for coming on and uh, appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks so much, Eric.